Ladies and gentlemen, that February weather is not it, Chief. It ain't it. We've already had one storm and now we've got another storm this weekend. I am pissed. But it's good though. In the words of Public Enemy's Chuck D, bring the noise. Podcast Network. I am Charlie Taylor, and this is what's good. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you've all had a good week. It's been a, it's been a pretty slow one for me, to be honest. It's been, been, been a pretty slow week. You know, as I said, we had a storm here in the UK. Um, storm uh, Sierra, one two step, um, and yeah, I mean, uh, for that weekend, I just you know, like everybody else, just not banned down the hatches, but just did not <laughs> did nothing. <laughs> Uh, just everything was raided. I had to actually, I had to go out and clean the pond. That was fun doing that in the rain. Um, but yeah, other than that, I was just, uh, just didn't really, just didn't really do much to be honest. And yeah, I don't know. It's just one of those, just one of those weekends, you know. You just, um, just one of those weekends. You have like, you know, do I have stuff to do? Probably. Can I be asked? Probably not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so it's, just, it's just one of those weeks. And uh, yeah, so other than that, it was pretty, it was pretty slow for me personally. Um, going, go back into a bit of TV. Watched the finally finished the the Mahershal Ali uh, season of uh, True Detective. That was very, uh, that was very, uh, good, a very satisfying ending. I think. Um, I think it's quite, it's kind of so peak. Like he, because his older self has a uh, dementia or Alzheimer's. I forget which. They, they just say condition where I forget things. They never actually say it, but. Um, yeah, he 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 actually finds out where the girl was, and she was alive all the t- all along. Um, but then, as soon as he gets to the car, as soon as he gets to the driveway of like where she lives, it's just, <laughs> he just forgets it, and it's like, oh no, God! Imagine that, like you have the answers to like you know the thing that's been bothering you for decades, and then you just memory deleted. <laughs> it's just oh. So pig, and also, uh, I, I just ran through the last season of Ballers. Um, absolutely amazing show. Um, just super fun. Uh, just super flashy, super stylish. Just, oh, it's just so good. It's just such a vibe. Such a vibe. Um, I do feel like obviously the season was a little bit rushed. Um, in hindsight, after just sleeping on it, uh, I did go through all all eight episodes because only like twenty minutes, so you might as, might as well just knock them out. But yeah, it was um. Obviously, it's because you know, because The Rock's mad busy, and uh, John David Washington now is getting mad work. Obviously, he's going to be in the new Christopher Nolan film. Uh, there's a there was a, I think there was other parts of it as well. The people were just like, okay, let's just get this done, let's just get this over with, and just uh, and just finish up. But yeah, even though I felt satisfied throughout most of it, um, in terms of how it ended and just how the season went. It was clear that it was just purely rushed because I swear the last season was like uh, the Rock's character uh, Spencer uh, about to fight the NCAA, and then now he's just going to be the owner of the Kansas City Chiefs. And I'm just like, okay, right? <laughs> so I, I don't know. In that case, obviously it's a bit disjointed, but um, in the overall arc of the show, but you know, as a season, it was pretty. It was pretty cool. Um, I actually didn't mind Russell Brand in it, believe it or not, even though it was in the previous season, but he's actually much better this one, this time, it was in, it was in spurts, it wasn't constant Russell Brandisms, I'm just like, okay, I can, I can live with that, and, uh, yeah, it was a really, really good season, love that show, I, I, honestly, when that show comes, when that show comes through, I always, like, think, damn, where's, uh, where's Billions at, because I need, I need both of them at the same time, you know what I mean, so, I'm, I'm just waiting for that new Billions, man, that new Billions is gonna be so fire, I can feel it in my bones, oh my days, this is going to be so clean, uh, if you haven't watched Billions, go watch Billions, please, so clean, so clean, but anyway, uh, yeah, TV, yeah, it's all, it's all good, uh, obviously I'm going to talk about the Oscars for a little bit, not going to talk about it extensively, uh, it's not going to be a whole topic, but uh, we'll get to it in a week where, and uh, yeah, so we've got a full slate, it's the first normal show of normalcy in the past uh, couple of weeks, obviously we had the Kobe episode, and that was a bit... Yeah, it was a bit obviously, uh, you know, um, off the cuff in a way. 
in terms of show structure, and obviously had the uh, interview with Otis Mensah, shout out to him once again, if you haven't listened to that very enlightening conversation, go listen to that, go back to that, but yeah, we'll get into this show, but before we do, formalities before we begin, email, Twitter, IG, Facebook, it's all there in the description, Discord is also there if you want to join the gang, join the community, and yeah, other than that, let me drink my tea right quick, <laughs> just wet my, wet my lips a bit, and we'll get into the show, let the beat green tea is clean anyway in a week where parasite wins four oscars making history every step of the way damn man i need to watch i need to watch parasite i need to watch parasite yeah i was i I told my dad i told my dad that um i told my dad that we needed to watch it like the start of the year i was like we need to watch 1917 uh we need to watch parasite um what else do we need to see um I want. I wanted to see others. I wanted to see clemency. I wanted to see waves. I also wanted to see just mercy, but I never got. Um, they just. They just never. They just weren't out here on a, on a, on that much of a hard release. Uh, I kind of expected it to be honest, um, but that's um, just. That's just how it goes, I guess. Um, in terms of those kind of films, but I'm sure. I'll, I'm sure I'm gonna try and. I'm gonna try and find them. Hopefully, they get on Netflix or something like that, or Sky or whatever. But. It's just how it is, but anyway, shout out to Parasite, need to get into that, shout out to Bong Joon-ho, man, that's that's such a G, such a G, absolute G. (laughs) Um, uh, Carrying on, coronavirus continues to spread across the world, I actually woke up to like two notifications the other day, going like, um, uh, coronavirus is now imminent in the UK, something like that, and then the next one a couple hours later was just like a number of UK, um, uh, I guess, uh, what's the word, um, accounts for for people having it i forgot that there's a word for that i don't know why i'm uh, drawing a blank but yeah there's now from it's now gone from four to eight people it's literally doubled in the past week so uh yeah don't know don't know how to don't know how to think about that to be completely honest um i think uh the i think my mum's uh views on just illness in general is just like rubbed off on me to be being honest like if it happens it happens kind of thing Dennis, De- Dynasty, Destiny, kind of thing, because you know she's a pharmacy technician, and uh, you know if 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 somebody comes to her with a with a with a cough or a sneeze or anything, like you know they're gonna go to her. So she's basically frontline in that fashion. So if anybody has the coronavirus and they don't know they have the coronavirus, because obviously it starts off with flu-like symptoms, and you know they just go to her, it's like oh I got I'm sick, and then it's like you know, so. <laughs> So she's very, uh, she's very uh, fuck the world about it. <laughs> I guess that's just how people have to <laughs> go about life sometimes. I guess, but uh, an Australian High Court rules that Aboriginals are not aliens and cannot be deported. Um, this, 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 the headline just I got from from this um, just blew my mind. To be completely honest, because it's like twenty twenty and like that kind of shit is still going on. You know, what I mean, it's just like. Yeah, of course they're not fucking aliens. What what the fuck are you talking about? You know, I mean, it's just, it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me. Like they were the first people there. Like you guys weren't just because they don't have papers. They don't need papers. They didn't need papers then. They don't need papers now. You know what I mean? So they know who they are. So I, it's, I don't know. white people, bro. White people. My God. And uh, lastly, the government is greenlighting HS two. Um, you know, I'm a uh, yeah. If you if you if you know me, you know I'm a train guy. You know, you know I like my tra- I like my train travel. Um, it's actually my favourite form of public transport. To be opinion, so I just enjoy it. Like watching the world go by is very, is very therapeutic and very um, yeah. Well, that's the word. Very therapeutic. Um, but in this case, it's just like it's it's but you know what it's kind of it's kind of similar to the exit to be completely honest because it's like okay if you want to do all this new if you want to do all this stuff just go do it you don't have to shoot yourself in the foot because of it and it's the same with hs2 and trains in general in the uk like you don't have to make this new line right it it takes like five hours right to get from london to birmingham sure uh, no london to birmingham no london to manchester sorry it takes like five six hours right Sure. Okay. Understandable, right? We can we can we can get behind that. The problem with trains in UK is the pricing. If it costs me a hundred quid to go from Southampton to Nottingham, there's a problem there. 
Do you see you see what I mean? There's a problem there. So it's not a problem of speed. It's not a problem it's not even a problem of comfort, right? It's a pro it's a matter of pricing and a matter of accessibility. People have to pay like thousands out the arse straight up to get a season ticket to something. Like it it doesn't that shit doesn't make sense. HS2 is not it will not you know, uh, vi- uh, re- um, what's the word? It it won't remedy that. It won't it won't remedy that. The point the 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 problem that people have is pricing. That's all it is. Like you just you're raising prices. Meanwhile, trains in Europe, every pretty much everywhere in Europe, are cheap as chips. So you can't justify this because if I go, because I know some people that have gone, you know, gone to Europe in the past year. I've seen them go on trains. If I go ask them, how's that tra- how's that train travel in Italy, or how's that train travel from Spain to Germany, or whatever the fuck, you know what I mean? If I ask them that, I guarantee you they're just gonna be like, yeah, it was decent, it was alright, it's cool. How much was it? Twenty quid. I'm like what the fuck? <laughs> you know what I mean? It doesn't make sense. The problem with HS2 is is not is not the well the problem with the whole thing about that is not. Like the it's it's not the well obviously there's wildlife concerns and stuff like that and obviously that's completely valid but just my thing is is like you're 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 putting a band aid over the wrong over the wrong part of the body like the cuts on the leg here um and you're and you're putting a bandage bandage on my head like it doesn't make sense so yes and it's and it's mad expensive as well just to know on that but anyway All right so where should we get started with um. You know, I want to get started with Windrush, actually, because I just wanted to, um, this has been obviously boiling up in the past, uh, it obviously came up in the past, uh, past couple of years, and it kind of died down on via the news cycle, um, but now people are starting to be deployed again, and uh, now it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not on, it's, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense, and it kind of, reinforces my reasoning as to like you know the recent election it's just like you guys you you can't make you can't make uh voting decisions based off one thing you know our lives revolve around a lot of things education healthcare, social mobility finance uh you know stuff like that crime and punishment all that right and you got and most I know most of you guys voted based on the exit. That's all you guys voted on. That was the only thing on your mind, and that doesn't make sense to me because there is a past the exit. There is so much more to what our country is about, and to what our society is about, and what your local life is about, what your own life is about. You know, it doesn't make sense to me. So, and Windrush is and is one problem that I did have with the Tories, one of the many, and you know you guys obviously didn't think about that obviously you know it depends who you are obviously if you're if you're if you're if you're um black with caribbean heritage like myself then you care about it more than joe blogs from um solihull would uh would care about it but regardless of that you know you, you there's probably many problems that i don't i can't relate to in i don't know yorkshire or whatever but you know it's still it's still a problem and some people might have voted based on that kind of uh, thing a very localized problem but regardless of that i know some people most people voted based off who want based off um opinions on the exit and that's wrong you can't you shouldn't vote on that kind of mindset of one thing you know Oh, I, oh, I, I just want to vote based on finance. I want to vote based on crime and punishment. No, it's, it's the, the reason why you know um, uh, uh, parties give whole manifestos is to give a full picture. You, you, you guys don't even see the full picture. You went to it's like listening to an album and then you listen to one song, and then you was like the album's crap. <laughs> it's like what? You listen to the whole album. You know what I mean? Just read the whole thing. But anyway. Um, I want to get to Windrush, and uh, I'm going to talk it uh, via the words of uh, Mr. David Lammy, obviously MP, um, and um, he's been at the forefront of all this uh, from a government governmental governmental is that word from a government perspective, and um, I think his words here are very uh, poignant, and I feel like are worth reading. So I'm just going to jump into this. This is called it's called uh, Two Years After Windrush, we're deporting people who've only known Britain as home. It's all written by David Lammy and it's via The Guardian. So let's get into it. 
Over the phone last Thursday, I spoke to TJ, a 24-year-old uh, man being held in Colnbrook Detention Centre. TJ had, has lived in the UK since he was five, as was obvious when I heard his strong London accent. His life is deeply entwined with his family, all of whom live in the UK. Most days, he takes his younger brother to school. TJ told me he was the victim of county lines grooming and compelled to carry drugs. This resulted in a single drugs-related offence and a 15-month conviction for which he served seven months in 2015 when he was 19. Since he was released five years ago, despite never re-offending, Teja had been, has been terrified of being deported. He has only, vi- only visited Jamaica once before and said even then he found it quote-unquote too hot and wanted to come home. Like Teja, many of those scheduled to be deported on tomorrow's charter flight to Jamaica are more British than they are Jamaican. It is impossible to get a complete picture of who will be the final 50, as there is no transparency from the Home Office. But I know of at least five people who arrived in the UK as children as young as 2, 5, 7 and 11. I know one of, I know of one man who was born in the UK to a Windrush generation mum. Six detainees had, had indefinite leave to remain in the UK, and a number of them could have received British citizenship as children, but were unable to afford the higher fees. If this flight goes ahead, at least 41 British children will be deprived of their fathers. What problems will this create in their own lives? And who exactly is splitting up families uh, supposed to help? Every single one of the men has already served the sentence the judge deemed appropriate for the crime. Each had endured additional time in immigration detention centres, and now these men will receive a third, will receive a third punishment, complete ostracisation uh, from their communities which in some cases could become a death sentence. The Guardian revealed that at least five people had been killed after being deported to Jamaica since the Windrush scandal was exposed. Regardless of criminal convictions, it is a breach of human rights and legislation, human rights legislation to deport individuals to a country where their lives could be in serious danger. The echoes of Windrush are deafening. Just two years after the national scandal was exposed, the Home Office admitted that it wrongly deported or detained at least 164 black British citizens, and probably many more. At least 11 of them died on the streets of foreign countries where they were deported. There are more than 5,000 cases of individuals alleging that they were in some way seriously harmed, made homeless, jobless, left destitute, and denied access to public services by the government that was supposed to protect them. After the government admitted these crimes against those British citizens in 2018, Riley suspended deportation flights to the Caribbean and set up an independent review headed by Wendy Williams to ensure lessons were learned. The Windrush Lessons Learned review was first due to be published on the 31st of March last year. It was then delayed to September. It still hasn't appeared. How can we be confident the Home Office is not repeating the same mistakes before it has published, let alone implemented its own review? All it took was two years of lying low, and now the deport first, ask questions later policy has returned. Last week, I leaked a part of a part of a, part of a draft of the Windrush Lessons Learn review because it was it confirmed my worst fears. Boris Johnson's government is suppressing its own independent review so it can knowingly and intentionally defy the recommendations that are made within it. In it, Wendy Williams says the government should quote review its policy and approach to FNOs, uh, foreign national offenders if necessary, through primary legislation, unquote. These, in- these include considering, quote, ending all de- deportation of FNOs when they are- where they arrived in the UK as children, unquote, and only using deportation in, quote, the most severe cases, unquote. When I asked a question in the flight, uh, flight in par- about the flight in Parliament today, the o- Home Office Minister Kevin Foster said, I was losing the plot, and the Tory MP Suella, a brave woman, accused me of shrill virtue signalling. There should be no more deportation flights until the Windrush Lessons Learn Review is published and the recommendations implemented. I accept there may be some cases where the most severe violent criminals who came to the UK as adults should face the prospect of deportation. However, to en- enforce the- this policy on those who have lived in the UK since they were children, as well as those who who have committed one-off drug offences is wildly disproportionate and cruel. The government's decision to ignore the recommendations shows it's not sorry. It is little regard for the lives it has ruined, and will keep making the same mistakes. Much of this is because it still fails to confront the legacy of empire. 
The UK and Caribbean are entwined because the British empires enslaved black, Af- black Africans and brought them there, brought them there in shackles on slave ships. Lives are being ruined because we don't remember our history. <sighs> so that's all by David Lammy, MP uh, for Tottenham, and um, I mean we've had this conversation before, right? Like I've had this conversation on the show before, you know, in terms of why this is just so horribly backward and where this um uh where this lack of empathy comes from you know it's just um it's 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 a it's a it's a collective centuries long attempt to wipe or cleanse history i'll i'll say i'll say that not wipe history or way but just hide it you know just just hide it keep it under wraps and just hope nobody you know hope nobody you know continually talks about it or constantly brings it up which you know happens in a lot of cases you know it's just how the world works actually you know in terms of how we just how we consume news and how we go about our daily lives you know at some point you have to move on right but this thing right here is a classic case of, you know, it has to be accounted for, and 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 things have to, and things have to change. You know, deporting people just <laughs> just based off this, uh, um, just based off this, you know, thought that. Oh, you you were born somewhere else, and even though you've been here for you know most of your life, and uh, you know we we we've been completely fine with it. Now you know what we're not fine with it anymore. Go away. It, it you just uh, it's just an un highly unnecessary uprooting of people's lives, and you know I could theorize the um uh, the 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 deeper roots of how this of how this thinking via the government comes about, you know, I could theorise their, you know, real inner thoughts that they probably don't even know is actually prevalent in this conversation, but that would just be a unnecessary, well, not unnecessary, but a, uh, 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 an un- not even estimated theory and uh, could just, you know, you could you could easily chalk that up as me being a, some some sort of conspiracy theorist in that case, but just on the face of it, like just think about it, right? So you your 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 dad, for example, right, or your mother, whatever, right? <laughs> so they came to here, you know, in the in the sixties, right, fifties, sixties, right, and they have spent their whole lives from then on. So they came around here, say, like twenty years old, right. 2025 right just for example and they've been living here all this time right so they're now in their 70s 80s maybe 90s right and you've been told all that time that you know your 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 citizenship's cool it's fine it's fine don't worry about it it's cool you have a right to be here okay and then suddenly click of a finger boom you're gone your 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 parents are gone, right? And the and the government just doesn't you know do anything in terms of trying to help you get back on your feet or anything like that. Yeah, you know I mean it it doesn't. Does that does that seem fair to you? You know, D- does that seem fair? Clearly, it doesn't. There's a whole. There's a whole whole lot of injustice going on right now, especially in this case. And um, you know, I've said before in other, maybe I think this, especially the student radio show edition of Oscars. I was like, when uh, you know, when the Panama Papers came through, uh, if you remember that from way back, uh, I said that like you know, Osborne and Cameron should be in jail for that. And obviously they're free, they're fine, you know, they're, they're living their lives and it's great. And I'm just going to say it again, just for the record, I believe that Pretty Patel and every 
every uh, higher up in the Home Office that has to do with this Windrush scandal, or or has um, upheld these part this past couple of years of complete bullshit and unnecessary deportations, they should be in jail for this. You're uprooting people's lives for whatever reason. Reasons that I could theorise, but I'm not going to, because what's the point? And you, and, and you guys get to just walk away scot-free. Won't even drop a paper, uh, 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 won't even drop a, a report on that kind, on the, on the subject. Like, you're holding that back. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it doesn't make sense. It, it really, it... it make it make sense please help me make it make sense because to me it doesn't and um you know like Lemmy said um this this all stems from not um not accounting for and not acknowledging um past crimes as a country as in as a former empire and um you know, as much as much as you, you 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 guys will continue on with your lives, and so will I. You know, I'm not. I'm. I was. I was born here. I have my British passport. I'm fine. You know, I'm fine, and I'll completely move on with it. Um, but just know there are people in our own country. It's not even. It's not even a different country. It's in. It's in our own country. Getting deported, even though they were born here. Do they have a right to be here? The answer is always yes. So it's always yes. So I'm going to move on to uh, film and TV and. Uh, I'm not actually going to talk about the Oscars or nothing like that. Um, you know, I've, I've, I, do, I don't really. <sighs> I was up for it. I didn't. Um, I didn't uh, watch it or anything. Um, I, was, I was busy editing, but um, you know, I kept. I kept up with the results, and um, yeah, you know, is 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 what is what it is. It's, um, I'm happy for like you know South Korean film and uh, and Parasite uh, in particular. I mean, that's that's a great result, but um, the whole. The whole fit, the whole show itself was just um, amazingly uh, tone deaf in a lot of ways, and I can't be really be asked to talk about it. I'm I'm kind of exhausted with award season in general this year. It's just me. This this might have been the year that broke my back in terms of just like fighting back, being jaded about it. Um, but yeah, I'm just fully jaded. I just don't. I I couldn't give a shit anymore. I really couldn't give a shit anymore. Um, but. Regardless of that, I'm still interested in the film, and uh, I wanted to talk about this. So uh, this is the article I found uh, uh, earlier in the month, and uh, we wanted to talk about it for a while. Um, so it's a little statistical piece. Um, it's called uh, "Women Women Actors of Color Better Represented in 2019 Film Study Finds." This is by Catherine Schaffstall of uh, the Hollywood Reporter, and uh, yeah, if you know me, you know I like my stats and uh, anything like anything like that. I like my reports like this. And, uh, yeah, so let's just, just jump right in. Despite the lack of actors uh, of colour nominated the 2020 Oscars, 2019 was a year of positive change for inclusion in popular movies. Research from the USC Annenberg Inclusion Initiative examined the t- 100 top-grossing films of 2019 and found that there was a notable improvement in representation of both actors of colour and females. Last year, 31 of the top 100 films featured an un- underrepresented or co-lead, uh, lead or co-lead, sorry, uh, which is up from the 27 films in 2018, 13 films in 2007. Meanwhile, 16 of those films had an underrepresented female as a lead or co-lead. The uh, number is a drastic improvement from the 11 movies in 2008 and one film in 2007 led by underrepresented females. Women and girls were also rep- better represented in the film in film during the past year. The report found that 43 of the top 100 films had a female lead or co-lead, which marks a 13-year high. 2018, 39 films had a female co- lead or co-lead, while only 20 movies starred female characters back in 2007. Despite the historic high, the percentage is still below the, re- f- uh, below the female population according to the US Census, which is 51%, while 47% of movie tickets are sold to women in North America. 
The stats prove that women of colour are now better represented in films through the inclusive stars that are often looked, uh, overlooked during award season. The 2020 BAFTAs nominated only white actors, while Cynthia Revo is the only performer of colour nominated for the upcoming Oscars. She didn't win, by the way. Um, quote, it is clear that Hollywood is taking steps to create more inclusive stories and that uh, that those films are connecting with audiences, wrote Stacey L. Smith, founder of the USC Annenberg Inclusion Initiative, in the report. Yet there is also a very obvious disconnect between what sells tickets and what garners awards, and that points to a systemic bias in cultural institutions like the BAFTAs or the Academy Awards. She continued, After another year in which the major studios increased their output of films, with female and underrepresented leads or co-leads, it is critical to recognise that talent is not limited by gender or race slash ethnicity. The report has also studied box office earnings and found that inclusion has been profitable for movie studios. Walt Disney Studios outperformed its competitors by earning $4.1 billion for its female-driven content, which is more than four times as much as the next highest growing distributed Universal Pictures is $893 million. Disney also earned $2.7 billion for its films with underrepresented leads. The number is almost twice as much as Universal's earnings, which is $1.5. Universal champion women and under... And, ugh, can you not keep saying underrepresented <laughs> actors? Uh, it keeps tripping me up uh, during 2019. Uh, the studio distri- distributed nine movies starring females and eight featuring lead actors of colour, which is more films with female or underrepresented uh, lead actors than any other studio. Smith found that, quote, studios are putting money behind inclusion and the box office is responding in kind. Despite the increase of females on screen, the report called for more female directors. Only 12 of 2019's uh, top grossing films were held by women. The stat shows uh, follows the criticism of female directors being shut off major awards shows, including the Oscars and Golden Globes. Lulu Wang for The Farewell, Lorraine Scafaria for the Hus- for Hustlers, Greta Gerwig for Little Women, Mario Heller for A Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood, and Olivia Wilde for Booksmart were among the female directors who have been o- overlooked this award season. As the number of films starring women continues to increase, it is critical that women get to, uh, get the opportunity to tell these stories, as well of as well as those with male leads. Wrote Smith. The report concluded by stating that the film is on par with television in regards to the number of stories being told about girls and women for the first time in over a decade. Okay, so obviously this is um, just a whole thing about uh, women and uh, women in colour as well, um, as a side part of it. Um, on the director's front, uh, I completely understand and, you know, empathise with, you know, how many, um, uh, with with the lack of female directors in, um, in uh, popular award ceremonies. Um, I haven't seen Little Women, uh, you know, because that's just, <laughs> that, film, that film does not look like my vibe at all. But, um, yeah, people were really disappointed with the fact that Gerwig wasn't part of it, um, I think in this case, I uh, I don't want I don't want to be you know that guy, but I'm just I'm just like I'm 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 struggling where where would you put her and who? This it, is this is a thing, isn't it? You know, I when it comes to like you know stuff like All Star Weekend NBA stuff like that, you know, people always go like, oh, this player got snubbed, this per- this person got snubbed. I need to add this. I need to add this uh, question that I do for sports, and I'm going to add it for film. Like, okay, I'm all for putting the putting these people in, right? You know, it's 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 all it's all well and good, right? I I get it. I support it, right? Who are you replacing? You taking out Scorsese? You you taking out Sam Mendes? You taking out uh, Bong? Yeah, you know, um, that that question. I have to ask that question from a pure merit perspective. I have to ask that ask that question, um, but you know, from a statistical perspective, obviously, it doesn't look pretty. It it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good at all. So um, you know, on that on that front, from a statistical perspective, I completely understand. But just from like a objective merit standpoint, who are you taking out? Um, that's, that's all, that's all I have to ask from, from like the Oscars and BAFTAs point of view. Um, you know, I could probably, I could probably like, I'd probably take out Todd, Todd Phillips to be honest. Um, and I'd probably throw Lulu Wang for the farewell, but that's just me. Um, 
and then people were just like, oh, Todd Phillips, oh, no, no, you can't, you can't, no, Todd Phillips. So, you know, people were always going to be triggered. But um, anyway, I don't want, don't want to get bogged down in that. But um, I found the statistics really interesting. Um, and very, and you know, just from a, just from like trying to think about the films that dropped in 2019, I feel like, you know, that is a, you can, you can see a genuine uh, effort put in. And uh, in this case, and um, also in the case of um, uh, people of colour in film as well, I think you know, the only way is up for these kind of things. Um, people are starting to realise that it's not a, it's not a, um, you know, all the all the myths that you know black people don't don't do uh, well in box office. You know that was a thing for years. That was a thing for decades, actually. Um, and, you know, the same with probably female directors as well, there's probably a myth about that somewhere, um, you know, I've always, I've, I've always saw directing, you know, writing, um, pretty much, actually, anything, to be honest, apart from maybe acting, um, because obviously, you know, mad woman, but, um, you know, everything past that, you know, behind the, behind the camera is, pretty much like it doesn't really matter who it is like you can have a male costume designer or a female production designer or a female writer director it doesn't really matter to me um it, it it's it's a, from that from that point of uh, from that point it's a matter of um you know i think uh, i think there was a uh, a woman who was like I, I don't know if she was like the first woman to win a composing uh, to win an original original score uh, oscar um, but yeah, that, that was obviously that was obviously something of note uh, from the pre- from the Oscars that just passed. But yeah, I, I find you know most of those things are just completely genderless. You know, there's no, there's no reason to have a male director for everything. There there is none. And actually, I had this conversation uh, br- briefly. Uh, go listen to episode forty five of Digging in Digits. Uh, but you know, my homie Ben. Uh, asked me about um he was watching suits and uh, he was asking like um why why are these uh why are these uh characters like being being uh made so to speak or like you know who who's it made for and i and you know i forgot the question specifically i'm I'm hard hard paraphrasing but if you go listen to it the answer i give is that what he what he's desperate for what he's thirsting for right now in that moment uh, of watching suits was that he needs female direction and like female writers and female representation behind the camera because you know there's many shows like that you know I just I reference ballers at the start of the show you know there's there's no fuck all females in that <laughs> you know what I mean there's, there's fuck all females in that kind of, in that kind of field um, in that kind of show, and and it shows. It it really does fucking show. It's clearly a dude show, made by dudes, made for dudes. You know, it's just it's just one of those things. Um, but if a if there was like a female director or a female writer in that, the show would be a lot different. The show would be different in a lot of ways, and uh, you know, in that case, obviously ballers is ballers. You know, um, that's obviously tailor made for excuse me that's obviously tailor made for men being in it but you know if you take a if you take a show like i don't know true detective right that, that reference right and you had a female writer in that you know there might be there might be some different ways of going about it for better for worse we don't know but it'll be very interesting to think about it's it's, it's, it's something worth thinking about um you know, it, like i said the way there's no different ways that females write compared to males it's the stories that are told. It's the it's the content that is told, and how it's told as well from a director's and cinematographers and music and whatever. You know, it's it's all a it's all about a creative lens and how people see things. So, um, the the like I like I keep saying with most 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 things in life, variety is so good. It tastes so good. You know, you you don't want to eat the same thing. I don't want to listen to the same rappers. I don't want to listen to the same singers. You know, you want something fresh. You know, I've, I fucking relish a female rapper these days. I, I don't like saying it like that, but you know, I, I relish a rapper who's female because like they come through with a different flavour. 
you know, I, re- I relish a female writer, you know, I, re- I relish those kind of stuff, it's, it's interesting, you know, it's, it's a different way of looking at things, if you read a book, like, especially like a non-fiction book from like a, uh, from like a, uh, a female writer, it's, it's so, you know, the, 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 the topics covered are from a different point of view to mine, and a point of view I can never fully understand, and it's always so fascinating to me. And, you know, from how people are responding, from a box office perspective, people feel the same way I do. And now it's up to the award, uh, the awards powers that be to fix the fuck up. Once again, for another year, I come every year to saying award shows fix the fuck up. Simple. So we move on to, uh, well, you know what? <laughs> Since we talked about women, um, let's talk about let's go to life and uh, talk about women in a different uh, context. Um, so, okay, so a little bit of um, you know background. So uh, you know, last week, well, obviously two weeks ago, Kobe died, and last week um, there was a interview that was uh, posted by a TV network. I think it was CBS. In America, and uh, it was a it was an interview via Gail King. Um, if you don't know Gail King, she's a, a renowned journalist in the U.S. Um, she's a black woman, she uh, editor in chief of uh, Oprah's um, O Magazine, I think is what it's called. Um, so yeah, she's she's very um, you know well respected, right? And she was interviewing a WNBA, well, a former WNBA player, Lisa Leslie, and uh, she asked about Kobe. In a um, um, well, just go go see the interview for yourself, right? In full context, please, because um, uh, the way the the way that the network you know posted it up, and um, you know they kind of threw Gail under the bus in a way, um, but the way people in America, especially black men, have responded to Gail King has been absolutely abhorrent, and. Um, it's completely just overblown, you know, it's it clearly, pe- I get it guys, you, 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 the wounds of Kobe dying is still raw, I understand, but, you know, in this case, people like Snoop Dogg, um, getting at Gail, and, uh, you know, she's had death threats and stuff like that, not from Snoop Dogg, but from people, is, it's just, it's just too much, that's overkill, you know, it's overkill, like, you can, you can, you can critique her from a journalistic perspective, right, and you can, from in this case, you can critique it. I'm not going to, but you can critique it if you want. If you want to, right? You can find holes. Um, you can find, um, you know, uh, places where she could have worded it different or whatever, right? But to like, you know, to get at her in the way she has been gotten at is just, um, it's just wow. It's, it's just amazing. Um, and uh, so I wanted to get to this article. So from uh, Damon Young. Uh, via the route, uh, very smart brothers. Um, it's called a Snoop. It's, it's about Snoop Dogg in particular, and I just found it so fascinating. Partly just because it comes from the perspective of a dude, um, and I just found that very fascinating. So uh, this is called a Snoop doesn't love Kobe. He just hates black women. <laughs> it's a very interesting article, and I can't wait to get into this. Um, so let's just jump right in. Unless you belong to an arbitrary specific religion that prays exclusively to Gail King and or Oprah Winfrey. Neither of those women are gods, which means that neither is infallible. Uh, and it, and if, for instance, you allowed Gail to borrow your last twenty dollars and she refuses to pay you back, or or you invited Oprah to a game night and she stole all your forks, fuck Gail and fuck Oprah would be reasonable responses to those acts. What is unreasonable, what's past unreasonable actually, and is legitimately gross and violent, is the vitriol these women are receiving for doing some wrongly and stupidly perceived to be anti, anti-black. Uh, in Gail's case, both Anne Brannigan, yeah, uh, Anne Brannigan and Maisha Kai have recently written brilliant pieces uh, articulating the fallacy of believing now is too soon to think about, discuss and reckon with how and where the sexual assault allegations against Kobe Bryant fit in his legacy. And Maisha specifically deconstructed the explicit misogyny in Snoop's response to Gail and the tens of thousands of digital and spiritual cosigns it received, so I won't go back down that road. 
and uh, I did read I did read that Maisha Kai uh, uh, piece. You should go read that as well. It's a very good piece. Uh, but I will say this: Kobe is dead, you all. Um, and there's a uh, shocking and uh, tragic and devastating uh, as that still is for many people erasing a crucial part of his legacy and attempting to flatten the voices of people uninter- uninterested in uh, hagiography hagiography that's a that's a great word um ain't going to bring him back and it ain't going to change who he was what he was accused of doing and the still vibrating reverberations from the fallout from that fallout we all leave footprints when we leave here and Colorado is cemented forever in the soil. This doesn't mean that redemption was, uh, was is possible. Just that the world is messy and we're the ones who make the mess. And if finding space to grapple with both the Kobe Bryant you wish to memorialise and the Kobe Bryant that Gail King asked Lisa Leslie about breaks your brain, good. It's supposed to be hard. But that's honest. That's necessary. That is human. What's easy... What's the easiest thing I'll think about and or do today is Snoop. Snoop Dogg has been fortunate enough to shift into this current classic rock elevator rap phase of his career where he retains status as an elder and even allows himself to be called Uncle Snoop. He used this tremendous tremendous platform to be a vocal critic of what he perceives to be anti-blackness. Along with his critiques of Gale, he, he shared similar thoughts about Kanye West. The irony here is that while he's accusing Kanye and Gail and Oprah of being sellouts, if being demonstratively anti-black is what makes you one, Snoop has been a sellout his entire career. Ooh. And he isn't just a garden variety sellout, he's perhaps the most prominent sellout in the fucking country, and definitely the richest, the Michael Jordan of sellouts. Jesus Christ, I told you this ain't going to be easy. Uh, understanding this requires a fundamental shift in how anti-blackness is commonly thought of and assessed. Basically, you don't have to decenter black men and center black people. In almost 30 years now of being a public figure, there's nothing Snoop has done to suggest that he doesn't hate black women, nothing you can nod to in his real life as a mere counterpoint as to the art he's created, which has consistently and happily displayed an antipathy for black women and encouraged disrespect and or violence towards them. He's an unfathomably rich and middle-aged black man who, in his almost 50 years of life on earth, has only displayed public affection for one woman, Martha Stewart, who is, um, white. And, well, <laughs> while relentlessly shitting on the women who look like him. Again, this is easy. What's also easier to see is that those insults and threats towards Gail were a performance. When watching that video, I didn't see a man who was hurting, pouring his grief out on film and through anger. I saw an expert performer who rightly assumed his fury would seem righteous if directed at a black woman he believed to be vulnerable to claims of anti-blackness. Everything about it, from the positioning of the camera to the bonnet, or whatever the fuck he was wearing, was stagecraft. A bully's greatest weapon is his emotional intelligence. Uh, the best ones are experts at reading people, rooms, and understanding human nature. And this is what enables them to choose the right targets. And of course, Snoop there were, knew there was a virtual army of people ready to ride with him, as he has 150 million in the bank that prefer... That proves that he vocal that the vocalized and weaponized public disrespect of black women is a booming business, uh, perhaps America's boomingest. When you're that consumed and entertained, uh, when you're that consumed by and entertained with the hate of an entire demographic, is it even possible to love someone as much as he claims to have loved Kobe? Of course, it is possible to love a myth. It's possible to love a performance. It's possible to love how Kobe made him feel. But can you love a full person? Does he possess the emotional bandwidth for that? Hmm. We're back to the hard questions again. Let's end with an easy one. Is Snoop Dogg a sellout? Oof. Okay. Um. Right. Where to begin? <laughs> okay, so... Wow, Jesus Christ. That was a heavy one. Um. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's clear that Snoop Dogg career-wise has done a lot of that and uh that's that's like he's like he like mr young said it's a very easy um place to begin but the question about you know can you love a full person i think is a very very extremely poignant one um you know i've watched it i've I've been watching a few um it just reminds me of a few shows and films i've watched recently well, uh, well, you know, Queen and Slim, okay? That's another film I told my dad we were going to watch, and we did watch it, and it was great. I finally enjoyed it, right? There's a the, the whole there's a whole part of the film where uh, 
he, she, well, when Queen and Slim um, escape, they uh, they they go to uh, Queen's um, uncles, right? Um, in Louisiana, uh, New Orleans, and uh, you know, there's a tension there, right? And she goes, "You owe me," right? And he's like, "I do." <laughs> he he was like overcome with a sense of guilt, right? And uh, you know, not to spoil the film, uh, but the the thing he tell the thing he tells uh, the, the the thing he did, which in which um, you know, Queen uh, says, "You owe me," um, is horrible, right? But when they leave, they say, "I love you" to both of each other, right? So it's the it's that it's that examination right there of trying to love a full person, right, and to accept a full person. I accept I personally accept Kobe in all facets of him, right? You know, I take the I take the mother mentality, I take the amazing fatherhood um, you know, uh, uh ways that he had in his especially in his retirement years. But I also reference I also reference and recognize the Colorado stuff. You know, and that has to be, you can't be a full Kobe lover, you can't have the full love for Kobe if you don't love the full person. It's the same in any case, it's the same in any case, if you love a person, you know, if you love a person, you love all of them, you know, warts and all, you know, all that, all that kind of stuff, right? You can't just like the best of people and shun and and turn your head at the worst of people because that's not accepting them as human really and i feel like some people are deifying kobe in a way that you know if anyone references the rape case then like you're 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 a, you're a prick something like that you know what i mean or in this case of gail king you're anti-black you know and um you know, there can be there can, you can have the conversation with um you know Oprah and talking about um Russell Simmons and the documentary you know you can have that conversation if you want right but we're not having a conversation we're having a conversation about Snoop Snoop I th- I feel like does have this tendency and you know when I watched that Gail King video that he did it was in the exact same fashion in the way he talks about the Pittsburgh Steelers um, and the same way he talks about Kanye West, it's all the same, you know, and it's, um, clearly just a motif that he has now, where he's, like, you know, in the head wrap, and he's smoking a blunt, he's like, you know, fuck this shit, man, you know, it's, it's all, it, like, like Mr. Young said, it's all a performance, and I account for that, you know, I account, Snoop is a very, very, like, you know, when Snoop dies, that's going to be a fucking hell of a conversation we're going to have, like, even, an even more, an even more deeper conversation, um, than we are trying to have about Kobe, oh, amazing, it's going to be amazing, um, not in a, not in a fun way, just a, just an enormous conversation, in terms of just breaking down Snoop, um, from the person, from the artist, it's going to be uh, absolutely fucking, Wow, it's going to be amazing to think about. Um, obviously, not worth thinking about now. Knock on wood. Um, but yeah, you know, I accept Snoop Dogg for who he is. You know, in a lot in a lot of ways, I love him as an artist. I don't love everything he talks about, and you don't have to love everything about a person to love them, right? You don't. You know, it's it's, it's why I hate stand culture. You know, if oh, this artist can do nothing wrong, you know, it's like. Who the fuck? You you're not seeing them as a person, then, are you? You're seeing them as some deified figure, and that's just. I mean, I'm not I'm not uh, I'm not a um, I'm not a religious person, but that seems very um, that seems very off base, <laughs> to put it lightly. So um, you know, all this hate about Gail King is just way too overblown. To talk about anti-blackness is kind of ironic. Um, and, you know, to, to be that person, I hate being that, I hate trying to be that, well, not, I don't try to be that person, but I hate being, I hate talking, um, I hate talking, uh, you know, about blackness and going like, oh, that person's white as shit. So I've been, I've been told that. I've been told that personally. You know, I've been given the Oreo, you know, um, labels. I've been given that kind of stuff. Um... You know, that's obviously a deeper conversation about blackness, but um, I won't bother getting into that. But yeah, 
it was a fascinating conversation. Um, I hope this kind of dialogue continues. Uh, the shit about Ga- the shit towards Gale, yeah, that needs to stop. That needs to stop. And it, and it, and it's actually kind of depressing thinking about like a week ago, you 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 guys were like you know hashtag girl dad and all that, and you were like you know posting like your girls on Instagram and uh, you know hashtag girl dad and all that, and now you're all you know giving girl death threats and calling it anti-black. And, it's just, wow, wow. So now we get to the final uh, topic of the episode, and it's music. And uh, I, I'm, 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 I might have to go over an hour, uh, to be honest, because I feel like this. Uh, I, I, I really wanted to talk about this topic for a while. Um, so this is a by OK Player by by Andre G, G sorry Andre G, um, and it's called uh, Black Music Executives Have to Be Honest About Lying. Uh, so let's just jump right into it because uh, I just find this so fascinating um, in the you know and especially in the aftermath of uh, well, what happened at the Grammys uh, especially. So last week Meek Mill called out the white uh, called out white record label executives for giving out slave deals to young black kids. The timing of the message was interesting. A day before Meek's tweet, veteran rapper Source Money accused Jay-Z and Diddy of backdoor politics, which shelved his career. On Thursday, January 30th, Khalees divulged in a Guardian feature that the Neptune stole her uh, share of her first two albums, and the next day, Mace alleged that Diddy brought his uh, bought his music publishing back for, uh, for t- bought his publish- music publishing for 20k in 1996 and refused to sell it back for 2 million. While Diddy, Jay-Z, Pharrell and other black millionaires toast to quote-unquote black excellence at the Rock Nation branches, many of the artists who help them along the way are starving. It's common knowledge that, as Jadakiss noted on why, the industry is designed to keep the artists in debt. Why executives are often seen as the face of that treachery. But too many black record label CEOs abuse racial solidarity to engender trust with artists they ultimately took advantage of. They label their movements Puff Daddy and the Family and Rock La Familia. They uh, make albums like Like Father, Like Son, like Birdman and Lil Wayne did in 2006. And today they shrewdly play on the same sentimentality with phrases like Black Excellence and Representation. But those buzzwords are hollow and steeped in hypocrisy. Any black label executive who's made millions from the music industry is complicit in his exploitative machinations. Uh, black excellence can't merely be about putting a black face on racist practices. Any true progress in the music industry begins with black executives acknowledging uh, that they're just as guilty of stifling, stifling sorry, uh, black artists as the white institutions they point the finger at. The Grammys are often in the crosshairs of critics for snubbing black artists and archaisms such as uh, si- the single uh, world music category for hundreds of, <laughs> of sounds and artists. Uh, Diddy took the Grammy committee to task while accepting his Icon Award, proclaiming that black music has never been respected by the Grammys. He gave the committee 365 days to correct the circumstance because they're a non-profit organisation that's supposed to protect the welfare of the musical community. Diddy spoke for many with his call for accountability, and May spoke for many recording artists in his lengthy Instagram response, which, to, which asked the same accountability from Diddy. Mace wrote, If you, quote, want to see a uh, change... You can make a change today by starting with yourself. He also said, your past business practices knowingly dot 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 starved your artist. Uh, the Harlem rapper hasn't released an official album since 2004's Welcome Back. 50 Cent has uh, said that Mace's 2005 move to G-Unit Records fizzled because Diddy wanted $2 million to let the Harlem rapper out of his bad boy deal. 50 was only pe- willing to pay $1 million. Mace received one year re- a run- one year release from the contract in 2009 after rapper Crash did his interview with Atlanta's V103. Mace had his contract in uh, in hand and got Diddy to sign it on camera. After leaving the label for good in 2012, he's now applying that same public pressure to get his publishing back. I offered you two million cash just a few days ago to sell me back my publishing. He's still on Instagram. Your response was if I can match what the European guy offer him, that would be. Uh, that would be the only way I can get it back, and it's a very lengthy Instagram piece. So uh, go li- go read that if you guys want to um, listen to uh, read it more, because uh, it's a very interesting piece. Uh, piece. It's a very interesting uh, post. 
Mace is one of the many rappers who ruled, uh, ruled their bad boy experience. The Locks trio of Jadakiss stars P and Sheik Louch started a Free the Locks campaign in 1999, vying to be released from their bad boy contract. The group felt like Diddy's preference for the billboard, four Billboard Top 40 appeasing singles and glossy videos uh, replete with the shiny suits didn't fit their image. They wanted to sign with a more rugged uh, Rough Riders label was uh, based in their new native Yonkers. Diddy eventually let them out of their deal, but he kept a lingering hold on them by retaining half of their music publishing. Whoever controls an artist's publishing uh, earns the money uh, while their music is used in movies, television, video games and other commercial entities. That remaining gripe led to a contentious 2005 argument on New York's Hot 97 where Styles told Diddy, we made one record with you, money, power, respect. It's ten years later and you still got half of our pub- publishing. You can't make it justifiable that you deserve half our publishing. He also alleged you had a bunch of eyes whose careers never went right with you. As, Diddy, as much as Diddy's career could be summed up in his voracious work ethic, uh, by his voracious work ethic, it could be, it could also be typ- type, typified, yeah, typified by Craig Mack's perplexed expression as a then Puff Daddy told Yo! in TV Raps that they were currently working on Mack's second album, which never dropped on Bad Boy. Craig Mack's career stalled after Taurus B.I.G. took off Ready to Die and he later joined a cult before passing away in 2018 at 46. R&B Group 112 left Bad Boy uh, in 2002, claiming that their deals were doo-doo and implying that they didn't feel, uh, they didn't feel they liked the priorities at their label. A late legal fight with Bad Boy over who controlled the rights to Music Delay in 2004, Hot and Wet album on Def Jam, and uh, that continues there. But um, <clears throat> that's kind of the gist of the article. It's a very lengthy article, um, so if you want to go read the rest, please go read the rest. It's very fascinating. But I just wanted to talk about this from a um, from just a base level in terms of just how you know it's fun. It is it is interesting, you know. And I've had this you know mini. It's just been it's this conversation this conversation going around about um, billionaires in general, and you know how they get there. You know, there's no such thing as a billionaire as an ethical billionaire. You know, if you be, the, the way to become a billionaire, not that I'm one, believe it or not, <laughs> bro. If I showed you my bank account right now, fuck you know you'd be crying anyway. But <laughs> but you know to get money on that scale. You need to tread on some necks. And we're not talking about, you know, your favourite female artist, you know, flexing on the gram. We're not talking about step on my neck, sis. We're not talking about that. We're talking about literally ending people's careers, you know, just leapfrogging people, shitting on people, cutting cutting off the rope uh, below you as, as people behind you climb up. You know, it's... It's how it's how it has to go for these people. You can't be a billionaire and not shit on people. You know you have to do it at some point. You have to fuck some people over to get a leg up. And you know that's just how it is in a you know capitalist society. It's how it is. Um, and for the people that get shat on, you know sometimes they don't have a voice. And uh, it's a lot of it's fascinating thinking about Bad Boy in in 2020 because like, you know, the locks are coming to um, the O2 in a couple of months, and it's just like trying to think trying to think about that. And uh, you know, half the publishing, you know, it's just it's just it's just a pure it's just a pure you know thug money move. You know, it's a, it's a white collar thug move. And um, you know, I wouldn't be interested in that at all. It's just not it. You know, if someone if someone like took if someone took my script and uh, you know did whatever with it, and I'd be and I'd be like, okay, we're, we're like twenty years later and they still have like the rights to it. And I'm just like, bro, it's my script. I wrote it. Fuck off. <laughs> it's and we we can we can get smarter ahead of time, and that is always why I encourage. You know, regardless of where you're at, like you know, the more knowledge you accrue the better your career, especially from a creative sense, will be. You know, if you get the knowledge now before you even get in, like, you'll know the game. If you know the game, you can play the game. Or you can choose not to play the game because you know the game. But for people like Diddy, for people like Jay-Z, they're, you know, they're the biggest game players in terms of a, you know, black, quote-unquote, CEO. Um, But, yeah, I think... I had this conversation, obviously, with uh, Ben via 
Dingin Digits. We did an episode on the Grammys, episode 44. And, you know, I kind of said that in terms of the Grammys, like, I think a lot of people like Diddy and people like Jay should have a call to arms and say, like, you know, we should not do this. But on the same side, now thinking about it, I'm just like, I the fact that these guys have the power to me is just, it doesn't seem right. It, it it just doesn't seem right, and um, you know, they they do them Rock Nation brunches, and they and, you know, all the hip hop, all the music publications, you know, cover it, and you know, and have that same fucking Kevin Hart speech, like I give a shit about Kevin Hart, and um, you know, and everyone, and everyone looking fresh, everyone looking rich, you know, I'm just like, <sighs> you know, in some way I want to be there, but in another way I don't. And, um, you know, that's kind of a, that's kind of a, the game in a nutshell, you know, it's in some ways you want to be in it, but in a lot of ways you don't want to be in it, and uh, in, in a lot of cases, it's all or nothing, and uh, that's kind of decision eyes have to make with that kind of thing, but um, if I was an artist, if I'm ever an artist, I don't want to be at this point, but if I'm ever not, if, if I was an artist, I, you know, independence away, to be completely honest, like, you can be independent and do stuff these days. You know, go look at Master P. That's the person we should be talking about. Fuck, you know. Yeah, let's talk about Master P for a minute. Like, I don't, I'm not going to, but, you know, big up Master P. You know, he's still, he's still getting money, and he's independent. Fully independent, and I respect that. I respect that much more highly than people like Diddy, to be completely honest with you. Not that I don't respect Diddy in any, you know, not every way, clearly. But I respect Master P in nearly every way, to be completely honest, because that's just, um... That's the way to do it. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, this has been uh, What's Good. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Way, yo, yo. As, as, as a, I felt, I felt, I felt like a long one to me, but um, obviously it's like all the, all the episodes are now, but yeah, man, that was just a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff I had to pack in and uh, hopefully I got, hopefully I got most of it out towards you guys. Hope you guys enjoyed that. But anyway, from the Fifth End Podcast Network, I am Charlie Taylor. This has been What's Good. Intro music is Too Much by Vanilla. Interlude Music is visited by Poldor. You can find both of their uh, Bandcamp links in the description below. Thanks to Jailbreakers for the ability to use these songs. You can also find Chill Hop's record discography all over Bandcamp in the link in the description below. And yes, and breathe. <laughs> Hope you have a good week, everybody. Uh, I'll sure we try and do the same. But until the next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen.